1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud
2: Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here. Welcome back again to Cover 3. This is my summer school series. Kind of got the flu game thing going this week, hoping to be like Jordan. And today, I am bringing on my buddy, David Woods, from Report Online. David, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, bud. It's a great time being on here. I'll always enjoy the conversation. You guys are just, I mean, like you you lap the field when it comes to UCLA coverage and, and have great knowledge of the Pac-12 and the whole league. So I I always learn an awful lot. UCLA last year, nine and four, played like a legitimate top 25 team in all the power ratings, which you know is is one of the one of the better seasons that they've had in the last decade. Chip Kelly seems to have things going in the right direction there obviously they leave next year for the pack or for the big 10 excuse me Uh, but we're going to talk about this year's team a little bit I'll start with the offensive side of the football I mean this was a really underrated offense nationally I I thought last year I know my friend Bill Connolly had him third in the country which is I had him slightly worse than that but still a a top 10 unit and a lot of it was Dorian Thompson Robinson kind of finally putting it all together that had to be fun to see because I know last year you thought it was possible when, when we talked preseason. Now, now he's gone. What, what's the state of this quarterback room?
1: Yeah, it, it just to build on that, I mean, Dorian getting to that point is it was really fantastic to see the progression he made over the course of his career and actually having a fifth year like that where it rewarded him for making the decision to come back. It rewarded everyone who was watching to see a guy perform like that. Uh, now heading into this year, um, it was really fun in spring watching all of these different quarterbacks compete. Uh, the main contenders, I think it's it's crystallizing a little bit about e- around Ethan Garbers, who's the returning backup from last year. Uh, he was originally a transfer from Washington. He's been in the program a few years now. Uh, he looked really good, very consistent. Um, you know, he doesn't have a cannon arm. Uh, he's not a super athlete, but just down to down the consistency with his decision-making accuracy was all there. Uh, five-star freshman Dante Moore was probably the next closest contender. And he had moments that just opened your eyes. Um, and it's not, he's again, not a guy with a cannon arm, but he does things from a feel perspective that you just do not see from a freshman. Uh, just adjusting his arm angle um, at like the last moment, because he sees a, a defender coming. Um, and so a, uh, You know, a little swing pass, he'll have to throw it a little bit higher or whatever it is, but just decisions you don't see a guy making because the speed of the game that freshmen are always talking about is really about I have to make decisions a lot quicker. Uh, He's already there, um, but for him, I think it's going to be adjusting uh, some of the things he does with his arm because he doesn't have a cannon. um, And so intermediate throws, he's still throwing them like it's high school. Um, And with his arm, he's going to have to put more on it. I think he'll make that adjustment. I'm just not sure it'll be enough heading into fall camp for him to overtake Garbers. But those are probably the two main contenders at this point.
2: It, it's interesting to me that, that those are the two main contenders. They did take Colin Schley from Kent State in the transfer portal. And UCLA has been a team that has done a really nice job, in my opinion, at least, with, with the portal. As far as their hit rate, IDing undervalued prospects and, and obviously their scouting staff does a good job like Schley to me was a hard evaluation because you're playing in essentially like they, they want to call it the veer and shoot now, obviously, because not yeah. all the guys that run it were on, you know, we're on that brow staff. So from that veer and shoot, it's a hard eval, right? Like I think NFL teams had a real hard time with, with Hooker coming out of, of Tennessee. it But I feel like there's at least some baseline level of talent, there, right? That, yeah. that he has. So if, if he's not like seriously in the running Am I wrong to assume UCLA will have at least a decent level of quarterback play? Like, if both these guys are ahead of
1: Schley, the the takeaway I had from the spring was that no matter who it ends up being, there's going to be a baseline level of pretty good. Um, and if somebody makes a leap, it's going to be better than that. I would say for Schley, the the thing is with the eval there, the the tools are all there. Um, he throws a rocket. Uh, he's got the strongest arm on the team by far, um, and he's probably right there with Justin Martin for best athlete in the group. Um, you know, the, he can really run. Uh, he's got some great straight line speed. Um, the issue for him was consistency and accuracy. Um, some of his throws just, it, you had no idea how it was going, where it was going based on what it was intended to do in that play. Um, and the mechanics got a little bit better, but he was, he was doing stuff that you don't really see from a, a guy who's played as much football as he has. Um, and I think, there was some anxiety. I mean, he's playing in, you know, power five in a different way than he's uh, done before, but um, I, I don't think he did enough to get himself firmly in the competition. I don't think anybody's ruled out at this point. I mean, I don't think Ethan Garbers has the job. I don't think they're close to making a decision, but I think he would have to show incredibly well in the first couple of weeks of uh, August camp before um, he'd really be in the thick of it. Makes sense to me. Uh, hopefully
2: another Mac transfer, they took Carson Steele, from Ball State has looked better because they do have to replace Zach Charbonnet, and look, like, they also for the ground game have to replace Dorian Thompson Robinson, who rushed for I think if you take out the sacks, seven hundred fifty yards.
1: Yeah, and Carson Steele, um, he looks the part. Uh, if you've if you've read anything about him, he's got kind of a, a crazy fun story. Um, had a pet alligator as a kid, uh, but he um, who he calls Crocky, interestingly enough. <laughs> uh, but he uh, he looks. I mean, he's one of those guys who he looks the same width the entire way down. Like just he's built out Um, his lower half is super built out. So it doesn't show in spring what his best asset is, which is more than likely his balance. Um, If you watched him uh, last year uh, in the Mac. um, And so, because guys aren't hitting uh, at UCLA uh, spring ball at all. So you don't really see the balance as much, but um, good change of direction, really good balance. We expect him to play a ton. The guy who actually opened eyes in the running back room was T.J. Harden, who's a holdover hmm. from last year. Um, he he very much it seemed like the attitude of I'm not letting this guy come in and just immediately take my job. I think it's going to be a tandem between the two. Harden is another good size back, you know, good six zero, um, maybe two ten, and he's got a really nice burst to him, um, and he's added a little bit of uh, quickness and explosion um, in the offseason. I expect those two to to take the lion's share of carries, and I I don't know if even the combination is going to perfectly replace Zach Charbonnet, but I think there's going to be really good production from the running back room. It is a Chip Kelly offense after all.
2: I feel like at almost every position group, we're we're like, hey, this is one of the best players UCLA's had at this position group in a while, and receiver yeah. is no different. With with losing, you know, Jake Bobo, does eighty six targets feel low? I feel like for the UC, for the big for the big UCLA games I watched, David, I I feel like this like I know what a hundred target guy looks like, and I kind of I guess because UCLA does run the ball an awful lot, yeah. but when they were throwing it in the big situations, it was kind of going to Jake Bobo, who was a, a very underrated receiver, I thought nationally. He's gone. Kaz Allen's gone. Charbonnet caught a lot of balls. They they went to the portal. I know they were excited last year about some of the young guys they had maybe yeah. to develop for this year. How is this all shaken out so far?
1: The receiver room is going to be, I mean, bold take, going to be the strongest um, unit on the team. Um, okay. With J. Michael Sturdivant coming in from Cal. Now, You've got to do like a Cal discount when uh, a guy comes in, when you look at his numbers, because it's Cal. um, And Cal is, we love him, but they're terrible. Uh, Sturtevant, um, he caught, I think, 65 balls last year for Cal. Um, He's a stud. I mean, I've watched a lot of receivers come through UCLA. Um, He's the best I've seen from just a combination of skills, athleticism. I mean, it's... Twenty years. I mean, it's it's nuts. And UCLA hasn't. You now, I'll, I'll caveat that that UCLA hasn't had a ton of great receiving in that time. But Sturdivant's a stud. Um, Kyle Ford coming in from USC. You know, USC he was kind of buried on the depth chart, um, which was not really a fault to him as much as it was credit to all that talent in that room. Uh, he's going to be pretty good for UCLA. Um, I think he's going to be top three receiver. Um, then you have Cam Brown returning, who was starting to show out towards the end of last year. Um, you've got Braden Peegan, who was a freshman last year. Uh, he of that class of Jaden Marshall and, Br- and Braden Peegan, um, he's the one who's really developing. Um, he's about 6'4", uh, can really run, um, and is starting to show signs of having that body control to make you know high-pointing catches downfield. Um, the combination of all of that, I'm actually starting to think UCLA has been very tight end uh, dependent in the passing game uh, in the last few years. I think they're going to have to go a little bit more four wide this year just to get their ideal complexion of talent on the field. Because Ford is a big enough guy that he can play more or less a Y um, uh, in, in a standard spread offense. So I think they might go that route simply because they have so much talent in that wide receiver room.
2: And if you have forward on the field and the teams have to play you more dime, you, you, you like your, your chances of forward being able to block the, the dime yeah, corner. Yeah, absolutely. for sure. He's, he's a physical dude. Speaking of blocking uh, offensive line to me is a bit of a question mark with, with this team that they do lose their top three guys by snap count. A couple were like, you know, second team, all pack 12, either by the league or, or by like a PFF. They took a bunch of transfers here. I have no idea how this is going to work out. I, I don't even know where to slot these guys. Uh, Can can you help me solve this?
1: Yeah, um, I'll do my best. So a lot of these guys were either hurt or not there in spring. Um, So we're speculating a little bit too. Uh, The anchor is going to be Duke Clemens uh, at center. He's been there now uh, four years, uh, started a lot of games. Uh, He's a good, good player. Uh, Garrett DiGiorgio at right tackle. You can slot him in right there because he played right tackle all of last year. After that, it's really just kind of open. Um, Old Dominion, uh, left tackle, uh, Kadir Kunta is coming in. Uh, we haven't seen him yet, but the expectation is that he's going to slot in at left tackle. Uh, they liked, really liked his film. Um, I liked him well enough too. Um, I think he'll make sense at left tackle and then the other positions. So Spencer Holstage is the Purdue transfer coming in at guard. He really didn't practice a ton in the spring, but we like the look of him. I mean, he was, he was really good at Purdue. Um, you know he might eventually be an NFL guy, um, and so I think he might make sense at left guard. Right guard is the question mark. They brought in, so they're bringing in, I should say, Jake Wiley, uh, who's the Colorado transfer who has started a lot of games. Um, open question: How well he performed? But again, you have to kind of you got to kind of project when you're talking about Colorado uh, the last couple of years, just because the the offensive scheme was so mismarried to yeah. what they had personnel wise that you can't really blame it. You can't really blame anybody for not looking very good. Um, And so I think he's going to come in and have potential to start at right guard, which is a combination of two things. One, he's got a lot of starting experience and two, there just aren't a lot of options. Uh, UCLA, you know, there can be ebbs and flows with offensive line development right now. They haven't hit on a lot of the high school guys who have come in the last couple of years. And so there's a lot of guys listed on our projected depth chart who really haven't shown the ability yet to contribute at this level. So I think Wiley's going to come in more or less take that right guard spot, as long as he looks like, you know, looks like he has a pulse. And I think he will. Um, So you'll see three transfers starting more than likely for UCLA. Holstage, Kadir Kunta, and Jake Wiley. Uh, I don't know if, if I
2: assume your readers know, I, I was told by somebody I trust that Colorado actually did not want to lose Wiley. Well, that's good. Yeah, Yeah. and that's and that's really good. Um, Most of the guys that Colorado ran off, they definitely were cool with losing. There's about four or five that they did attempt to keep. So, and Wiley was in that bucket. So at least that's that's, that is rare company in the Deion Sanders era. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, this offense is probably not as good as last year, but I feel like. If th- if they make up for some of the the losses they have last year, maybe it's through explosive passing. Like right? that was the one area yeah. they did not hit a bunch of explosive pass plays. I mean, Chip schemes up stuff pretty well. Like it's hard for me to think, unless the offensive line just really collapses, that this thing just just
1: completely goes to heck. Right, like it's got to be at least good. I would. Well, say. I think I, yeah, I think I said this last year, but I think Chip Kelly can craft a running game out of you, me, and nine friends. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't. I'm not too worried about the run game. I'm not too worried about their ability to uh, connect when they have time in the passing game. Like, I think the receiving core is good enough. And like I said, quarterback position, it'll be fine. I mean, it's not, it won't be Dorian Thompson Robinson last year, but it's going to be fine. It's that offensive line. Um, If it holds up, then I think they can, I mean, I think Chip Kelly's hit the point at UCLA where the offense is kind of self-replicating, you know. Yeah. Oh, I know the pieces I need for the type of scheme I need, so we just need to get this, this, and this, and then uh, he can do his kind of wizardry. So I think if if the offensive line holds up credibly well, I think you're looking at a top 15-ish offense again, which um, it's not going to be last year. I mean, wh- whatever whatever numbers you're looking at, it was top 10, you know, more or less. Um, Bills had him at number three. Um, but I think it'll be top 15 pretty comfortably. It, it makes a lot
2: of sense. I, I always ask this. Is offensive line here the spot where the, the gap
1: between the starters and the backups is the largest, in your opinion? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We watched a lot of the backups this spring, and uh, not to go too into depth on any names, but yes. Yes, correct, bud. Yeah. That's, uh,
2: that's a good question to ask for previews, because if you're tracking stuff during the season, like, ooh, okay, they, they,
1: Yeah. So could, here's what I'll tell yeah. you. I'll uh, give you a little bit of detail. So um, at center, Benjamin Roy, he looks playable. So okay. if they lost Duke Clemens at some point, that's not – I mean, it, it would hurt, but it wouldn't be a deal-breaker. Pretty much every other position, um, the drop-off – on the offensive line, whenever you lose one guy, it's usually not a big deal at the college level. Uh, but if they have to play two of those guys at once, it's going to be rough. Gotcha.
2: Defensively last year uh, was, again, not not very good. I mean, they were, what, 80, 89th in Bills. I think some had them in the, in the 90s. It's kind of been – like 90th or worse in in most yeah power like most of the stuff that adjusts for for opponent for like four or five straight years. and yet I find myself thinking maybe this is the year the defense actually gets takes a step forward. They do return a lot of a lot of guys on the defensive interior, like names I know who who put up decent numbers with you know Toya, Gary Smith I think, I think is a good player, a couple other dudes as well. it is this the year they can make a breakthrough?
1: Yeah, so this is the this is the funny thing because I agree with you on the returning guys, um, and I think the the issue for UCLA last year and maybe a couple years in past is that the um, uh, the whole was not as good as the sum of the parts. Like you had these pieces that were, theory, you know, in theory, Darius Mossau was supposed to be, you know, he played really really well at the Hawaii level, so you would think steps up, he's going to be a pretty good player. He had some struggles. Um, And then, defensive line, you've got Jay Toia, you've got Gary Smith, um, Martin Andrews at the beginning of the year, and still they didn't get great production out of that position when those guys were pretty good players. Uh, Looking at it right now, I think, you know, they've changed coordinator again. Uh, Very sadly, Bill McGovern, who started last year as defensive coordinator, he passed away just a couple weeks ago, um, which, you know, he was, he was, he, he, coached the first six games of last year. Then they had to go to Clancy Pendergast, who was running it as a um, as a uh, analyst. Um, but this year they've start they've got a defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn, who's uh, from uh, the Ravens, um, and he's a young guy. Um, the The kids really seem like they're responding to him, which is great. Um, but you, you don't really know from a scheme perspective what they're going to be able. Um, what they're going to be able to change, how, how significantly they're going to be doing big changes considering it's spring. Um, and for the most part, they're just doing basic install. I would say it's looking like it's going to be a four two five again, which that's no, I'm not dropping revelations here. That's sure. pretty much everyone in college football these days. Um, and the personnel on one side, they're returning a lot of production on the other side. They're not really, they haven't really added a ton, um, on offense. It's, you know, big time transfer at every position defense. It's, Mostly the same guys, you know. This spring, um, Gary Smith was hurt for most of the spring. Didn't seem major, uh, but it's Toia, it's Liatulatu, uh, it's the Murphy twins, and yeah, all those guys look like they can really play. Um, but the question is, you know, is is the combination of this? Are they going to be able to generate a consistent base pass rush? They weren't last year. They had to blitz a ton to get any kind of pressure off the edge. Um, except for those instances when Latu just kind of, okay, I'm going to make this happen on my own. So that's probably my big question for the defense is, can you develop some kind of base pass rush? So you're not just overbalancing and overcorrecting all the time and putting, you know, your linebackers and your secondary in really bad positions. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you about Ola Dejo, the, the the Cal
2: uh, backer they took. I know yeah. he had a great game for Cal like, against them. Uh, yes. That was, that was like the rescheduled game, right? So, yes. you know, I, is, is he somebody who's slotted to start, in your opinion, or, or play a lot?
1: Yeah, so um, spring, I, I don't know how much of their um, first string and second string decisions were um, trying to keep guys from heading into the portal. Sure. Uh, they were very successful in that, though. They only had one guy go in the spring, which is pretty much a rarity these days in college football. Uh, Oladejo was pretty consistently with the second string. Um, he was with the first string a little bit when um, Shea Bryant Strother was out for a couple weeks. Um, but I expect him to play a lot. Uh, he was from a physical standpoint. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, classic, like first off the bus dude who just, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. This, this is a, this is a a specimen. Um, he, he was so spring anecdote. Um, you know how you're at one of those like recruiting camps and one of those like real eager guys is just constantly jumping the line and taking extra reps and doing that whole thing. Uh, He was doing that in a college football practice. Uh, It was just constantly jumping the line to take extra linebacker reps. Um, He just, he's really got the right attitude, Um, approaching everything correctly, and then physically making a lot of plays. Um, I think, so right now, I think they want to have a pretty athletic guy who can cover at the second linebacker spot opposite Darius Moussao. And I'm not sure that's Oladejo. I think he's more of a, I think he's going to be more of the run support linebacker, which is sort of how they use uh, Darius Moussao right now. Gotcha. But he's going to play a lot. Um, and so I don't know if he's going to start, but I imagine his snaps are going to be very similar to at least the second linebacker, and it might be pretty even with uh, Moussao. Makes sense to me there. Um, Secondary-wise, where, where they did lose a, a decent
2: number of players, they went out and got uh, defensive back Jordan Anderson like is is losing Osling and Blaylock that huge of a deal? like they didn't their numbers weren't amazing, I guess. Uh, is it wrong to ex- expect status quo here?
1: So I um Osling made a big step up in his last year, um, watching the games he he made a lot of plays where, yes, the defense was bad. It would have looked a lot worse without Mo Osling on the back line making some saving tackles. um so many times just the only guy who can make the play, was making the play. And yeah, it wasn't preventing a 15-yard catch, but it was preventing a 30-yard catch. Um, And so there was a lot of that from uh, Osling. Looking at the safeties right now, so we don't know on Jordan Anderson because he wasn't in in the spring. Um, So what we saw was a lot of Kenny Churchwell at one safety spot, and then a lot of William Nimmo at the other one. Um, I expect uh, Kamari Ramsey is going to overtake Nimmo. I wouldn't be surprised if Nimmo Taking first string reps the entire spring had a little something into what I was uh, to do with what I was saying earlier, um, but it didn't. It, Kenny Churchwell played linebacker last year. Um, he was playing essentially kind of a nickel backer. I think is what a lot of guys call it. Um, but he was not playing deep safety, and that's what he's doing this spring. And he he looked good. Uh, he looked he looked fine. But I'd be worried about a little bit of drop off there um, at safety. Uh, there's just. It's just a question mark. What Jordan Anderson is going to bring to the table? We liked what we saw of him. Um, uh, again, another action guy, uh, but we'll see what he ends up bringing to the table.
2: Awesome. Like, so I think this defense. I mean, it'd be hard for it to be worse, I guess, given the personnel. Been saying that though for yeah, about four years now. <laughs> that's that. That's true. I I kind of like UCLA this year. I mean, given the schedule, it's it's. They do play five conference road games, which is is tough, and some of them are difficult. Like at, at USC, which is not much of a road game, right? Like that's you know it, it's within the same town, basically. Yep. Uh, at at Utah and, and at Oregon State are, are legitimately difficult. At Arizona again is is tricky, but they do draw Cal, Colorado, and Stanford, and Arizona and Arizona State. Which to me, like of the the teams that I consider to be contenders for the league, I think there's five right Mm -hmm. unless you count washington state which i really don't no um no and you're right to do that we all watched cam ward last year yeah exactly so like if you draw the five bottom teams which i I think it it is and you draw washington state too like that's that's fairly helpful not, not everybody gets all that
1: draw yeah i mean looking at the schedule i mean they're in the classic off year where they don't have to play oregon and washington um now no great shakes playing Oregon State these days. Um, you know, Jonathan Smith's doing a great job up there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's set up really nicely for UCLA to, I mean, at at minimum, kind of match the balance of the last two years. I mean, I think most lines are set at eight and a half right now. That's that's a that's about right. Um, yeah. And I think there's there's easy ways to project upside. Um, you know, if the quarterback situation gets figured out and the offensive line performs more or less like the offensive line typically does under chip kelly which is he finds a way via smoke and mirrors to make it work um you know basically as long as they don't get hit by a ton of injuries yeah i mean nine wins does not seem out of the question um and kind of like last year where it took that uh (laughs) truly truly devastating and embarrassing loss to arizona to knock them out of contention I, i wouldn't be surprised if they are heavily heavily in contention heading into november Absolutely. David Woods, Bruin and Online. Really appreciate all the time, man. Guys, click on that little QR
2: code we drop in the bottom of the screen here, and I'll, I'll see you soon, man. Thanks, bud. Hey, guys. Bud Elliott here, back again on Cover 3 with my Summer School series. If you hear my voice, you can tell we're recording seven episodes today. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a couple flu game <laughs> episodes. I'm going to talk Texas Tech today, and luckily, I got somebody else to do most of the talking. That, that's Jared Johnson. Of inside the Red Raiders, an awesome Texas Tech site. They have all the inside scoop on anything Texas Tech, and it's a really exciting time for Texas Tech. Top thirty-five power-rated football team last year finished eight and five, and it had to be a pretty exciting year to, to cover these guys.
0: Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you you always do a great job. I love your your, your content, your shows. Uh, yeah, it was an exciting year, and you know, halfway through, there were a lot of uh, people looking at each other like, oh, I don't, you know, this could be a bad ending, but. They won their final three regular season games, and they beat Ole Miss uh, convincingly in the Texas Bowl to really end the season on a high note and get a lot of momentum going into the offseason and is translated uh, on the recruiting trail. Uh, Tyler Shutt coming back from injury uh, the second season in a row where he had a serious injury, him coming back and starting at quarterback, all four of those, those victories was huge. He took some big hits. He took some late hits uh, that were called. Uh, in the Texas Bowl against Ole Miss, but got up and, uh, you know, ran for over 100 yards in that game, uh, threw for a couple of scores and uh, was MVP. So he comes back. uh, And, you know, that was – that end of the season showed that this is a different Texas Tech team because that's that's the opposite of what had happened to a lot of the previous Texas Tech teams in the last decade where they would fold towards the end of the year. I think for a number of reasons. One was their schedule – one was their uh, lack of depth, but they've started to build some real depth, which is what college football is all about with all the attrition, you know, late in the season. Uh, and, you know, the, this team, the core players have learned how to win when, uh, games they need to and make the big plays when they need to, to win those games. So it was a lot, it was very exciting. Um, again, in the middle of the season, you know, there were some some nerves about how is this going to go? Are they going to make a bowl game? You know, um, and then, man, they they really came on strong and showed a lot of grit and determination and finished out the season um, in terrific fashion.
2: They they had a bit of a tricky schedule, uh, to be sure, at times last year. And then they, they did play three quarterbacks. Uh, so Tyler uh, got hurt a decent bit. I know they, they liked Baron Morton, too. Should we presume that, that 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 Tyler is going to be the starter here in Lubbock?
0: Tyler Shuck is going to be the starter, but Baron Morton, I mean, especially in spring, he's put on good weight, former elite 11 quarterback or finalist uh, quarterback. Um, he was amazing to watch in high school through the recruiting process. And then he's been great in spring. He's done everything that's been expected of him um, in spring ball, in practice and everything. And he looked really good against Oklahoma state. And uh, one of his starts last year when he was pressed into service as a red shirt freshman, um, you know, uh, due to injuries, uh, Donovan Smith has gone on to Houston. So it is Shuck and Morton. Uh, Joey McGuire loves to promote, uh, you know, com- competitiveness and uh, wants people to compete competition, you know, for every position, but Tyler Shuck's the guy. He's a great fit uh, for what offensive coordinator Zach Kidley wants to do. Uh, he's, he's actually faster. I think than most people give him credit for, which he showed, like I said, in the Texas bowl where he ran for over a hundred yards. Um, he has a great arm. He, he, uh, he's already been through school. I believe he already got his master's as well. So he really has a lot of time to devote to football, almost like a pro, you know, where he's at, he's at the facility all the time. Uh, so he really has this offense down and, I, you know, to me, it's a no brainer that it's going to be shut, but that's not to take anything away from Baron Morton. Uh, I think, you know, he's just a play away from, from playing. And and they know that they could win a lot of games with Baron Morton. And I think there's a good shot. He'll be the quarterback of the future after the season.
2: The, the offense carried the team uh, last year, I from who they return. It looks like they really like what they have. They, I mean, they basically what their top five receivers return. They're they're running a you know a pretty true ish version of of the air raid. I think what four of the top five offensive linemen are back. They pick up is it Rusty Stats from Western yeah. Kentucky Rusty Stats, that, That's a pretty cool name. Like that it's that Stats. guy should play for the Rangers. You know. Right, right. Um,
0: yeah, that's a big pickup stats at center
2: are there, like Bradley and price obviously are are really really nice pieces they have Xavier White's a, a solid football player as well and a guy that's played a lot of football are there guys here in the receiving core who you think could break through and take some of those starting spots or is it just they're, they're running them back they like them they didn't take very many guys or any guys in, in the portal uh, what what are your thoughts there
0: yeah they really like the receiver room there's a lot of size you mentioned bradley you know six five six six that dude he really is a beast i know that term's overused but just staying next to him i'm six four and he's looking da- down at me like i'm his kid or something i mean he's huge um he can really run he's coming into his own as a route runner but in terms of guys who could step up former four star uh recruit Luke fungi is someone who's battled injuries when he's available uh, he produces, but if he can stay healthy, 6'4", really fast guy. He's a state uh, track meet uh, kind of dude sprinter when he was in high school at Midland Legacy. Um, really good player. He's uh, developed now after a couple of years, but he just needs to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, he's going to play a lot and be one of the leading receivers. Another guy they actually did bring in uh, for this offseason from the Portals, Andre McCray. He's probably the fastest guy on the team. His numbers are, are ridiculous. His sprinter numbers – um, that it's almost like you don't want to list it because people won't believe you. Uh, but he, he comes over from Austin P. Some of the assistant coaches a couple of years ago were with him and saw him play at Austin P. So they know what they're getting with him. He was here in the spring. Um, he didn't have a monster spring, but you know, uh, it's, it's one of those, we'll see if he actually produces once the season uh, begins But because he has the speed to actually stretch the defense. And that's really what they wanted to do, wanted to add to the, Receiver room. They have the size. They have a, like you said, uh, but a lot, you know, a lot of experience coming back. They needed somebody to stretch that defense. They think uh, Dre McCray is, is that guy.
2: Can this offensive line be better?
0: <laughs> it's going to be better. You mentioned stats. Uh, it's got to be better. That was the weakness last year, and that it was from spring fall camp. That's something that uh, Coach McGuire and I talked about. At, it seemed like every week, almost every day, uh, and it got a little better towards the end of the year. But uh, adding uh, Cody Spencer, who also was from Western uh, Kentucky, uh, but he was out last year uh, due to injury. He redshirted. He's going to be one of the guards. Uh, Dennis Wilburn, who started every game at center, is moving over to guard, which is his natural position. Uh, and then Stass, like you mentioned, or like you mentioned before, is going to be the starting center. That's an improvement on the interior, and they think they're going to get a real push in the run game because of those three guys. The question uh, is that tackle. Monroe Mills, who transferred from o- Oklahoma State last year, actually played well at right tackle, um, better than I thought he was going to. Uh, but Caleb Rogers at left tackle just struggled. I mean, I, yep. there's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, he got beat uh, at least once or twice a game. And, look, Power 5 football, left tackle, you're going to face some amazing athletes just every week, um, you know, including the Big 12. And so they flipped those guys. Monroe Mills is now – or all spring he was at, the, at left tackle – and Caleb Rogers is at right tackle. And we'll have to see. They face one of Tech's biggest strengths uh, next season, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is their defensive front, their edge rushers. And they got after those tackles a little bit in the spring, especially in the spring game. Uh, so we'll have to see how those tackles hold up. But I think overall, and McGuire said the same thing, the offensive line is going to be uh, much improved next year.
2: And with, with, with this offense, they really don't use a tight end on all plays, right? So, like, you're, both tackles are, are exposed – quite often so definitely something like they got to get better there for sure it makes a lot of sense defensively they they struggled last year i mean most of the opponent adjusted stuff 75th 85th somewhere in that range which you know, is better than sometimes texas tech like the defense we grew up with at times but also you know, not as good as perhaps it could be and and you said something there jared that kind of intrigued me you, you said you think the defensive front and the pass rush could be better which they lost at what a top Ten pick, I think, in, in Tyree Wilson. Was, uh, yeah, so I mean, you, you lose Tyree Wilson. I like. I'm. This is why we, I, I really enjoy doing summer school because I learn a lot from you guys. I had this peg this sort of defensive interior should be improved. A lot of big guys, a lot of depth. You know, what's What's the pass rush look like from the edge? And, and how uh, How are they going to make up for the loss of Wilson?
0: Yeah, they have a guy named Miles Cole, 285 pounds, who's going to be stepping in there in that which is very similar to what Tyree Wilson was or uh, is um, you can't replace Tyree Wilson. The guy was, I mean, a special player, but they did bring in a, a, a guy they're really high on. They think they're going to ha- He think he's going to have a possibly an all big 12 caliber season and Steve Linton out of Syracuse.
2: From Cuse. Yeah. Um, I'm an ACC guy. Yeah. Dude, he can play. He's good.
0: Yeah. He's, yeah. he looked really good this spring and, uh, Tim DeRuiter, the Tech's defensive coordinator, really, he specializes in producing quality edge rushers. Um, Thibodeau at Oregon a couple years ago and then Tyree Wilson last year. I mean, the, he has a proven track tra- record with that. And those two guys, Miles Cole and Steve Linton, are going to be a tear for opposing offenses uh, off the edges, off opposite edges. Um, Linton is more of a – as you, like, you, you said you're familiar with him. He's more of like a Greyhound kind. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of dude, you know, smaller, but very athletic. Guys I really trust who don't uh, embellish within the program told me they think he's the best pure pass rusher they've seen in the, in their career. Um, wow. And they think he's going to have a, like a double-digit sack kind of season. Miles Cole is very stout against the run, but has shown a great ability uh, as a pass rusher and has improved uh, in his time at Texas Tech. This is his second year after transferring in the previous offseason. Big dude. He looked he look great. And then on the inside, they have their, their two stalwarts, Tony Bradford and Jalen Hutchings. And Jalen Hutchings was just uh, here recently pro football focus. Uh, ranked him as a top 10 returning interior uh, defense alignment. And you, you mentioned the stats with Texas Tech's defense last year. And you're, you're absolutely correct. The overall stats aren't great. But if you look a little deeper and, you know, for us who watch every game and every snap and go to practice and all that, Tech was sneaky good on defense when it mattered, and that was a big reason why they won those final four games. They were really good on third and fourth down, and they were really good once teams got in the red zone. Um, they, they get really aggressive. They they start blitzing to protect, you know, point, keep points off the board. And, of course, opposing coaches know that, know that's coming from Tim DeRuiter. But he does such – and the team does such a good job of disguising blitzes that they don't know where it's coming from. So that's been – a game changer for Texas tech in terms of its defense overall teams are going between the twenties. Absolutely. Marching up and down. It's the big 12. That's part of it. That's the way college football is now, but when it gets to the red zone, when it gets to those big money downs, third and fourth down, at least last year, Texas tech was unbelievably improved over the previous decade. Uh, And they're, and they're expecting to be at least as good on defense last year in those areas.
2: Linebacker. uh, They do lose both. Eldridge and Merriweather what's the concern level of those guys basically never came off the field and were, were I mean not not amazing players but they clearly like like Tech had to trust them since they basically played nobody else at an inside backer it seems
0: yeah they were the elite two leading tacklers and that was one of my major concerns going into spring but um, there were a couple guys who played you're right those two guys played al- almost all the snaps but In spot duty, there was a couple of guys who came in and played meaningful snaps in big games and actually produced better than I thought. Uh, Tyreek Matthews and uh, Jacob Rodriguez, who he actually is from Texas originally, uh, but started off his career at Virginia as a quarterback, transferred to Texas Tech and has been playing linebacker. and There are high expectations for him. That uh, he looked really well. Not he in spring out a lot of the spring, but he looked really good last season when given the opportunity. And the coaches just rave about him. And then they moved uh, a guy I really like, who I think is going to be Tech's leading tackler. They moved Josiah Pierre, who started opposite outside linebacker from Tyree Wilson last year. He's a former player of Florida, uh, who transferred in a couple years ago. He played um, inside linebacker of Florida and was in the two deep behind some future NFL players. Um, and then last year when Tyree went down, even though they played different, uh, positions and Wilson missed the last three, three games, Pierre really came on as an edge rusher, uh, made some big plays, got a big sack against Kansas, which sealed the victory, um, for a very, you know, much improved Kansas team. That was a big win for Texas tech. Uh, he's moved inside. He's about 6'2, 250 and can run very good player. Look great in the spring. Just look, he looks the part. He's a kind of first off the bus kind of dude where you're like, Whoa, you know, you, you don't want to mess with that dude. Um, so I, I'm expecting a, a big season from Josiah
2: here. Gotta ask you about the secondary here. Like when when Tech's defense struggled, it was allowing the explosive play. They were one of the worst in the country at allowing big big play passes. They lose some guys in the secondary who were not like they weren't amazing. So I'm not really necessarily. Do I need to call those guys losses? Like, I mean, they played a lot, so I assume tech didn't have better guys than them at the time. Do, do they have better replacements for them now?
0: Yeah, they had some guys who uh, were, were injured. Like Tyler Owens is a dude who probably would have started a lot of the games at, at one of the safety positions, but he he was injured all the time. He'd play a game, make like an interception or come up with a big uh, pass breakup, and then he'd get injured and he'd be out for two or three weeks. And that just kind of kept on happening. He's a former four-star guy that was originally at Texas who transferred in. He's expected to start next to uh Deirdre and Taylor Demerson, who I think, He could be uh, another all big 12 type player. Um, Very good. He's one uh, in terms of overall football player. He was an all state record setting running back in Oklahoma, won multiple state championships and multiple sports came here, was turned into a safety and has slowly developed and uh, had a really good career. Uh, They need him to be that center fielder, that leader, that guy who can really coordinate things in the secondary, but I really like their corners. They ask a lot. I mentioned a lot of the blitzing uh, a lot of the blitzing Texas Tech does. And they they really ask their corners to man up one-on-one in a lot of situations. And they have two tall, experienced guys who one was a uh, coach's uh, all-Big 12 second team performer in Malik Dunlap. He's six, depending on who you ask, he's 6'3 or 6'4. I think he's listed as 6'3. Uh, he transferred in from North Carolina State a couple years ago. Had a really good season. I think he was either first or second in pass deflections uh, in the Big 12 last year. Um, but, again, they did give up some big plays because they're asked to, to do so much. Uh, Rashad Williams is opposite of him, another 6'3 dude. They are remarkably similar in their style and their abilities. Um, not, you know, burners, but fast, uh, physical, and aggressive. So they it's very feast or famine with them. They get a lot of pass breakups. But they also they will get victimized by you know some of these athletes in the Big 12 because of the aggressive way they call uh, their defense.
2: Makes a lot of sense. They they have an interesting schedule here. Um, I I find right. So six road games. They're playing at Wyoming. Like is that a yeah, two one type thing, or or do, do they owe them a game for taking a coach or something, or what what happened there? <laughs>
0: No, I you know that is interesting. One of the things is like Texas Tech is remodeling. They're, they're getting a new plane surface. They're doing this huge south end zone uh, 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 adjustment or, or uh, restructure, rebuild on uh, at the Jones at the stadium. There's a lot of projects going on. Um, so they're starting. That's one of the things that that I, I know these are future schedules. These are set a long time ago, but this has all been in the works for a long time. But it is like very interesting that they're starting on the road at wyoming which is not i mean they're that's a bowl team i mean tech is going to be favored they should win but you got the high elevation it's a really small stadium i don't know how many people realize i didn't know until i was just researching uh you know for the season a couple of months ago that wyoming's stadium I, I think the capacity is under thirty thousand, which i yeah i didn't know there were there are division one schools that had that kind of low capacity so it's they're going to be right on top of them elevation's over seven thousand feet to start the season i mean it's Tech should win that game but that's a heck of a challenge right out of the gate you know i mean considering you have Oregon coming to Lubbock the next week right. so it's not like that's the just the tough game that starts off with that that weird that kind of quirky schedule
2: i feel like this is a schedule where it if you're a top like 15 power rated team you have a really good shot of going like 8 and 4 or better If you're more in that like top 30, top 25 range, then it's sort of somewhere in that, like, you know, five and seven to nine and three range. Like there's a lot more games that become difficult. Like Going to West Virginia, I think tech will will be favored, right? At Baylor, kind of a toss up ish, you know, at BYU, I think Texas a favorite, right? At Kansas, I, I have tech favored at Texas. I have Texas favored, but. How good you are, real? I mean, that's kind of a stupid thing for me to say on a show. Like, how good you are is going to depend on how the schedule is. But due to the location of the games, right? Like, a really good team doesn't struggle with this road schedule. A simply, yeah. uh, just decently good team probably drops a road game or two, and, and that, that that'll kind of impact impact their season. I I love the home schedule. I mean, you get you get TCU in, in Lubbock, UCF in Lubbock, Kansas State in Lubbock, Houston in Lubbock. Like, that's that's a really if they can manage the early road schedule, having to play at Texas in the final week probably is is the game that will, will decide uh, you know, if you go to the Big 12, Big Twelve title game or not.
0: I agree, hundred <laughs> percent on basically everything you said. <laughs> uh, you know your stuff. Yeah, I I have I predicted nine wins for them, and um, to give you an idea, if people say, "Oh, he's a homer," you know, it's Texas Tech, but the schedule does set up like that. Um, the roster does show that, um, that that is a possibility with this schedule. Um, you don't play Oklahoma, you don't play Oklahoma State. Um, those have been two tough games for you uh, historically. Um, like you said, you have a lot of uh, the, the 50-50 games, even Oregon, I mean, to me is a coin toss uh, with maybe Oregon favor a little bit, but one play here or there and, and Tech at home in the home opener, I, I could see them winning that game. ESPN and FBI has Tech favor percentage wise in nine of the games. Um, with uh, Oregon favored, I think Tech has a 45% chance in that, according to the ESPN FBI. Uh, That's the last time I checked. So with Texas, you know, being a huge favor, uh, favorite at home in that that final game. But no, I think, I, I think what happens with that Oregon game, that secondly, you know, assuming that Tech wins and looks good against Wyoming, but how that that game plays out I think is how was what the national perception is going to be. Sure. I mean, those, you know, I mean, I just think that most yeah, national okay. writers are going to take that and be like, okay, this is who, whether it's fair or not, you know, it's going to be a national broadcast and all that. And uh, then after that, like you said, West Virginia Tech's uh, done very well, fared well against them the last couple of years. Um, Houston, same thing. Um, beat them last year. know, it was an overtime game. And Donovan Smith, the former tech quarterback is there. So that'll be yeah. interesting.
2: And, and Tyler Shuck gets, gets revenge against Oregon. Like, you got a lot of revenge quarterback games on the schedule. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. There are a, a bunch of storylines. The game with Baylor, like, Baylor really took it to Tech last year. And, of course, Joey McGuire and a lot of the staff came over yeah. from Baylor. Um, so, there's a – like, he told me, like, there, there's one game I I would I really want to do over is that Baylor game last year. So, there are so many stories. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's so many storylines for Tech this season. But I do think – and this could be – a final game between Tech and Texas for the foreseeable future. There have been talks about them having an agreement after Texas goes to the SEC, um, but I don't buy it. I'll believe it when I see sure. it. With this kind of thing, you know, um, I think it could be the last game. Tech beat Texas last year in overtime. You know, uh, is a very dramatic game. Tech has actually won two of the last four games played in Austin, uh, which is very unusual. Uh, Tech or UT has just dominated the, the the series overall, but especially in Austin. So. If Tech was able to win that game, somehow, like you said, maybe get to the Big 12 championship, uh, beat Texas and Austin and kind of wrap that uh, series up in that, manor, that manner, that fashion, would be mean a whole lot to the fan base out here in Lubbock and, uh, you know, Texas Tech in general. All
2: right, we, we try to stay mostly positive on, on this show. Yeah. How does this thing go off the rails? Like, where are the spots where, all right, we like the starters. At practice, we see it, the backups – not that they suck, not that they won't be able to play eventually, but, like, if they got to play now, they, they, we, we think there's a big drop-off. We, we, we think there's problems if the backup's got to play at these spots.
0: Yeah, they're thin at corner. Uh, they have veteran guys who are multi-year starters, but they have young, you know, talented guys, but they're young at corner. If they have one or two uh, serious injury at, injuries at corner, that could spell huge trouble. All of a sudden, a lot of the scheme doesn't work. Uh, you try and play that aggressive style. You can't leave these young corners against some of these athletes you're going to face in your schedule. These receive these these freak receivers you're going to you're going to face. Uh, you will get torched. It will be. It'll look like the old Texas Tech, which is you know you got to score on almost every possession to win. Uh, that is a major concern for me. Um, the, I, I like their kickers, um, but they're replacing the kicker again. You never know. Um, that could cost you a game or two. They did look good in the spring, but. It's different once, you know, the lights are actually on. They're on on TV. They're unproven guys. Um, The tackles. i got to go back to the tackles. You know, uh, if they get Tyler Shuck injured, um, there's a reason why they played three quarterbacks last year, and it wasn't because these guys are soft. It was because they were taking a lot of big hits because the tackles and the offensive line struggled. I do expect the offensive line to be better overall, but it's concerning to me – just, I, mean, I don't like to call out a single guy, but this is big boy football. It's concerning to me that Caleb Rogers is still considered a starter after the season he he had. So behind him are unproven guys that they feel shouldn't start ahead of of him and, and Monroe Mills. So, you know, a couple of injuries on the offensive line, and it could get scary there too uh, for the quarterbacks and all.
2: Jared Johnson, inside the Red Raiders, man. Really appreciate the time.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.